0: Hello, and welcome back to the Crucial Talks Podcast. Hope everyone is doing well. I'm Mike Sedam, the host of the Crucial Talks Podcast, and I am coming to you from lovely, and by lovely, I mean hot and humid Orlando, Florida, where I'm at a conference. And today, even though I'm in Orlando, you're talking to a guy from California who'll be talking to a guest from California with a Texas accent, so kind of a special episode for us. And on this podcast, we believe if we want to understand behavior, we need to understand what drives people. So if you get a chance, if you could please subscribe to, review, and share the podcast, I'd greatly appreciate it. And again, you can get more information about the podcast and about me at www.crucialtalks.com, and I'd love to hear from you. So today, we get to focus on how we, as people, transform ourselves, how we grow, how we become something we want to become, how we can write our own story, and how we can learn from the story of others. This episode is all about positive change from negative circumstances. It's also about how much perception affects how we see a situation. This is one of those episodes that makes me feel humbled and blessed because today our guest is Amberly Lago. Amberly has written a book called True Grit and Grace and is also a professional speaker. Now, those two things alone would make it absolutely wonderful to have her as a guest. But what really is humbling is the path she had to take to get to where she is today. Her story is one of triumph over tragedy. It's a story that can also show us some valuable lessons about perception and about self transformation. And you can find out more about Amberly at amberlylago.com, and that website will be in the show notes. So, without further ado, let's welcome Amberly Lago to the Crucial Talks podcast.
1: Hi, Mike. It's so great to be here. I loved your introduction. Thank you.
0: Well, before we get into some of the lessons we can learn from you, some of the things that could positively affect our lives, before we do that, can you tell us a little bit about how you got to where you are today and some of the trials you had to overcome to get to this spot in your life?
1: Yeah, you know, I grew up in Texas and I think a lot of my Texas upbringing, you know, being an athlete and a dancer and having some parents that really gave me some tough love really prepared me for the trials and tribulations that I've gone through, you know. I grew up with sayings like suck it up and cowgirl up. And one of my favorites, hide your crazy and be a lady. (laughs) And um, I uh, used those as my motto. When I moved out to California, I've been, you know, I was in the fitness industry for 22 years and loved working with people. I did fitness videos. I don't know if you remember Body by Jake, but I did one of his infomercials and had fun with that and, I worked for Nike as a run leader, and uh, you know, my whole life was fitness. I was featured in Shape Magazine and Health Magazine, and man, in the blink of an eye, your whole life can change. I was on my way home from work on my motorcycle when I was hit by an SUV, and I was thrown 30 feet. And as I was sliding across Ventura Boulevard, thinking, oh my goodness, I just hope another car doesn't hit me because I couldn't tell what I was sliding into, uh, you know, I I was screaming out for help, someone to call my husband. Um, they got me to the hospital, and the last thing I remember is, you know, my husband holding my hand and the nurse telling me, we're going to give you something to make you feel all better. Well, when I woke up from a coma, the first thing I learned was we're going to have to amputate your leg. And that's probably the worst thing you can hear when my whole livelihood was using my legs. I mean, I used to, try, I used to train C H guys who were going into C H P trying to pass their physical and fitness competitors, and now I thought, how am I going to do my job? How you know? And uh, it took. I'm telling you, an act of COD to get me transferred to another hospital to a doctor that was willing to try to work on my leg because I had a 1% chance of saving my leg. And it took 34 surgeries. I was in the hospital the first time, 107 days, and I've had over a thousand hours of PT. Um, they were able to save my leg and through a lot of grit. And by God's grace, I am where I am today and I'm on my feet and out of my wheelchair, which they said that I would live the rest of my life in. Um, so I'm just grateful to be here and now be able to share my message of hope and um, that, you know, the hope that was given to me, I want to share with others so that no matter no what, no matter, no, you know, what they're going through in life, that they can have the life that they have always imagined and they can thrive, not just survive, but really
0: thrive. Well, that's an awesome story. And one of the things we talk about here on the podcast is about the role of, of storytelling about how stories impact our feelings and why that makes people as social storytellers so powerful. It's not only the stories we tell each other, but the stories we tell ourselves. So when you were in the hospital, I mean, you heard this bad news that, hey, you may be losing your leg. And it that made a tremendous impact on your life because you counted on your your legs as part of your business to be able to do the physical things that you do. When you started this transformation, this feeling of hope, this uh, looking further into the future, knowing that you wanted or that you needed to maybe change what you did, change your mindset, change the path that you thought you would be on, what kind of stories did you tell yourself? Did you, did you visualize anything different or anything like that to get you moving the right direction?
1: Oh, let me tell you that I gave you the short version of, of how my leg was saved <laughs> Because I was in a dark spot, man. I was broken physically, mentally, and spiritually. And I was going down this really dark path. And it is the the power of mindfulness and being, you know, choosing to be grateful, um, and having a huge support system around me is how I really started to claim some resilience and strengthen my resilience. Um, I yeah, I was. Thank goodness when I was sitting in that hospital bed, I didn't know what that road to recovery looked at. I just focused on that. One day at a time and one surgery at a time, which was right in front of me. Um, because, you know, 34 surgeries is really nothing compared to living with the nerve disease I was diagnosed with, CRPS, every single day, which is a disease ranked on the pain scale, highest on the pain scale, and it's a disease of the sympathetic nervous system. Um, that pain, man, pain does some crazy stuff to your mind. And it really, I had to get a hold on, on what, how my thoughts were being processed because I was sitting in the hospital bed and I was, I started down that road of self-pity and why me? And, you know, if I would have only waited longer to leave work or all those questions of really why me? And I had to switch that around to, okay, what's next. And so what I did is I had, I had a journal that I was writing in and every day I would write down, I think as kind of a coping mechanism, I would write down what I was going through. And I think it was also kind of to remember Uh, things that were going on and what I was doing because, uh, you know, I think my Southern upbringing, my mom was big on, you have to write thank you notes. And so I was writing down who came to see me in the hospital or what people brought. And that little act of, of writing down things led to me writing down a gratitude list. And that act of writing down a gratitude list switched my mindset from what was awful in my life to well, at least these things were good. And I started focusing on that. And then let me tell you, at my even though I was stuck in that hospital bed, I did everything I could to stay strong mentally, physically, and spiritually it wasn't just that I prayed every day I had to try to keep my upper body strong. And then I also, I was of service to other people. And so I was giving out exercises to the nurses that were there at the hospital. I was still calling my clients and, and guiding them through their workouts or getting them to another trainer who could work out with them. Um, you know, I always heard that, that saying my grandfather used to always say, you've got a shovel in your hand, you can lean on it and pray for a hole, or you can start digging. And man, I had to start digging. I had to start getting gritty and doing whatever I could to just get better every single day, even though I was stuck in that hospital bed.
0: And that's kind of what
1: led me to where I am today.
0: Wow. That's. Really, a great story because here's what I I get from it. I get from it that you started in this place of darkness. You even said it that you were you felt broken physically, mentally, spiritually, and that you chose to be grateful. You chose to focus on the positive. And one of the things we talk about here on the Crucial Talks podcast, from appreciative inquiry, is this notion of of being able to flip the script or flip the conversation. And really what you did was you were in the same spot. You were in the same situation from one day to the next, but instead of going down that dark path by, by merely changing your perception, changing your lens to a positive frame, you started climbing out of that dark spot and you were able to take action. Even though it was super tough, you took positive action that led you to where you are today. I think that is an an awesome lesson for people to learn. And what's also awesome is the fact that you recognize that you switched your mindset, that it it was that switching a mindset that got you to where you are today. And I think a lot of us can learn from that, that if we get out of this negative mindset to the positive mindset, it doesn't really change the situation. But it does change how we deal with it. Is that what you saw happen to you?
1: Oh yeah, I mean, and it isn't it amazing how uh, we can just switch and empower ourselves a little bit more just by saying we have the choice. We have the choice because you see, I was, you know, I had, I had a doctor that that told me that you know, to get back in my wheelchair. He said, you've got something serious. Your life will never be the same. You are going to be permanently disabled and you're going to wear orthopedic shoes. And I mean, I pretty much stopped listening after the word never, but when he said orthopedic shoes, I was like, what? that is not me. (laughs) And so (laughs) I thought, well, I, I have the power to choose whether or not. Yeah. And there are some days that, you know, if I go to an amusement park, I'm in my wheelchair um, or a scooter. And that was a whole, you know, Uh, lesson I had to teach myself of, of, I can make that fun, or I can hold a lot of shame about my chronic illness. Um, But yeah, it's our choice. We have a choice to whether we want to go down that road, or we can choose to try to make our life better. And it's all even though I was still in the hospital bed, my circumstances didn't change. It was the way that I looked at them that changed, you know, and my, my husband helped me a lot with, you know, one time uh, I was sitting, we were sitting at the dinner table and I was so upset. My leg hurt so bad. It wasn't just the fact that it was deformed and scarred up. It was just, I was, I was angry that my leg was not working the way I wanted it to. It didn't work right. And I said, you know, I hate my leg. And I mean, hate's a four-letter word in our household. And I said, I wish they would just go ahead and cut it off. And he said, I can't believe you just said that. He said, you are so lucky that you even have your leg. He goes, you can even go in the swimming pool and not have to worry about taking a prosthetic off. You can just jump in the pool. And I, it was like a, a, a wake up, like a slap in the face, like, oh, wow. You're right. I am lucky that I have my leg. What, and it's sometimes, if we can't change it ourselves, it helps to have that support system around us to kind of give us that wake up call and get us to focus on. Wait a minute. What are you doing, complaining? And yeah, you. It might be hard. But he's like, this is your new normal. And that's what I have to work with. This is my new normal. And yes, I, I can't do all the things that I used to be able to do, but I can't focus on that. I have to focus on what I can do now. You know, start where you are, use what you have and do what you can to make the best of your situation. And. It's an everyday thing. It's not easy every day. Every day I have to wake up and decide that today I'm going to work on strengthening my resilience, and I'm going to get up and do the best that I can. And it takes work, but I would rather do that than go down that road of despair.
0: And this idea that your husband was able to to kind of guide you back on the right track leads to something else I like to talk about that we talk about on this podcast all the time, and that's a fact that not only are people storytellers they're social storytellers which means we need each other we need group belonging we need esteem from being with other people and belonging to groups and you mentioned it earlier in your story but now I'd like us to focus on how important was your social network to get you to where you are today how important was it to have those those people around I'm sure you had clients reaching out to you your family was there I'm sure you built relationships with nurses and doctors that thought like you thought and wanted to get you further ahead. How important was that social network to you during this whole process of transformation?
1: Oh, my goodness, Mike. It was crucial. I could not have done it without my support. And let me tell you, I was, I was stubborn. I was very independent, and I was the kind of person who didn't need anybody's help. You know, I moved – from Texas to California, with the money that I had saved on my own from working, and I had built my business on my own. I was, I was stubborn and I thought I don't need anybody. But when you are stuck in a hospital bed and you have to rely on someone to carry your bedpan for you, you realize real quick and you, I was so humbled real quick that, oh my gosh, I need help. So I had to learn how to ask for help, when to accept help and to appreciate help. And, um, I couldn't do it without my, 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 support my tribe, my team. And and like you said, it wasn't for me, it wasn't just my, the doctors and nurses, because I had a team of doctors that came in and they would huddle around and try to figure out, okay, what are we doing next for her next surgery? How are we going to save this leg? Um, the nurses that came in, um, my friends and family and, and clients. And now I needed my clients more than they needed me. Because you see, I needed a purpose. I needed those clients because I wanted to feel of service. I think being of service was a big, it's a big game changer. When you are passionate about about something and you have a purpose, it gives you a reason to get out of bed. Um, But it wasn't until I was diagnosed with this nerve disease and I started really kind of isolating because there was a lot of shame for me around having this chronic pain and not feeling, you know, feeling like I was I I was broken. And so my world was getting smaller and smaller and I was kind of pushing people out. And I didn't want to, you know, on the outside I would wear a smile, but on the inside I was just dying inside. I was just and I couldn't I couldn't hold keep that poker face up anymore. And so It wasn't until I really admitted to myself and to others that, hey, I've got, yeah, I've got this thing called CRPS and it sucks. And it was... I needed help, and I started reaching out and kind of talking about it a little bit on social media, and to my surprise, I, there are so many people that live in chronic pain, and what I have found is that, you know, we're not meant to do this alone, um, and I've had so many people that have connected with me, and it gives me just, man, when you, when you have people that can then that can kind of celebrate your quirks with you and your story resonates with them and they can say, Hey, me too. That's how I feel, man. We have to embrace those people. And I feel like, We're strong on our own, but together we're unstoppable. And on days when I feel I'm struggling, I can lean on them. And when days they're struggling, they can lean on me and and we can work together. And so it's been such a huge part of my journey is the importance of having a tribe, a support system, a good team around you.
0: Well, and one thing you said. 'Cause everything you said was awesome. But but one thing said was that during during this transition period or during this time that you were going through some difficult things, that your world was getting smaller and smaller. And that through this process of building a tribe and being of service and reaching out to people and expanding your network, you actually made your world a little a little bigger with a different lens. And that goes to right to the point, one of the things we talk about here on the Crucial Talks podcast is the fact that that people, we are able to construct our own realities and realities with other people through the words we have, through the communication we have. When you started reaching out to people, did you see this active building of your world again? Did you see it instead of being a smaller and smaller, it started getting bigger and bigger, but but different than what you had experienced prior to the accident.
1: Yes. And you know what? I was to my surprise. Okay. You know, look, I wrote my book cause I wanted to share the hope and inspiration. I wanted to um, help. I thought if I can help one person come out of the darkness that they're in and just find a way to be in a, you know, in, in the light, <laughs> have some light in their life, I will be happy, to my surprise, I mean, I was really shocked when I went and interviewed on the Megyn Kelly show, how many people just need that a little bit of, uh, that are struggling with chronic pain or struggling with anything in their life, whether it be, you know, a lost loved one, a lost job, that we need each other and we, um, we can help each other. I saw the the difference after that, and then so many people had reached out to me. But when I really saw a difference too, is just when I started talking about it, like authentically saying, "Hey, this is where I am." Not talking about it like a pity party. Talking about it like, "Yes, this is what I have. This is where I am. But this is what I'm going to do about it." Um, so I started offering solutions to where I was and how I wanted to get out of that dark spot. That's when I started to see a lot of people that my story resonated with them. And so that's when I started to see the biggest shift um, that, that people, you know, we want to do this together. We don't, I don't want to be alone on this journey. I saw the biggest difference. It was like, I stepped out of that dark room like literally and figuratively, I was in my bedroom in the dark, depressed into being able to go out into the world and offering some hope to others. It was a huge transformation and it wasn't easy. It was a day by day, one day at a time process, but um, it's something that I want to share with others.
0: Well, and so you said it pretty well that you were in a dark place, literally figuratively you were in a dark place you were able to step into the light that it was a tough process and so what I what I really want to hit on is the fact that it was an uphill battle probably still is you got to take one step at a time you got to put one foot in front of the other you've got to expect that there might be some backsliding but I think there's a lesson in there for all of us because I don't deal with chronic regional pain syndrome which I want you to talk to us a little bit about next but everybody deals with some sort of chronic pain uh, mm-hmm. mentally or physically that I think we can get lessons from. So really quick, can you tell us a little bit about chronic regional pain syndrome? And you indicated that it uh, on your website that it's nicknamed the suicide disease. Can you tell us a little bit about that because I think it will relate to other types of pain people are feeling. Whether yeah. or not it's physical or neurological or psychological, people all across the world are dealing with pain. And I think we can learn a little bit from you about that if you just give us a little bit about what exactly that syndrome is.
1: Yeah, well, you you said it right. Like, it, we all have pain, whether it's mentally or physically. For me, being diagnosed with CRPS, uh, like you said, it's, it's nicknamed the suicide disease. It was... Devastating to me because everything that I saw when I looked it up, it 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 left me feeling hopeless. It's dubbed the suicide disease because it's ranked highest on the pain scale. Um, just for instance, once I was passing a kidney stone, and this is no joke. I was like, "Wow, my back hurts from passing the stone, but my leg doesn't hurt for the first time, and I can walk without a limp. This is great." And so, just. CRPS is more painful than childbirth than a kidney stone, than anything. And it's really, I mean, I've done, you know, I had never done a drug in my life and all of a sudden they were doing ketamine infusions with me to try to reboot my nervous system. I had spinal blocks, uh, spinal radio frequency. I had a spinal stimulator, which is metal leads that are implanted in your spine. Um, I've had Eastern Western medicine at once. I was taking 73 pills, homeopathic pills a day to try to cure my CRPS. Um, Really, if somebody said that, hey, we've got some snake spit that'll cure your pain, I would have said, okay, I'll buy it. We had a lien against our house. We had borrowed money from friends. I was desperate, desperate to get out of that pain and nothing was working. And I hit rock bottom. Rock, rock bottom and i'm telling you man i that's the best one of the best things that's ever happened to me because it was when i ha- i made that decision you find out real quick what's important to you in life when you hit rock bottom? And I thought, you know what? I have a family. I've got daughters who I want to set a good example for, and I've got to make the decision to get better and make something out of my life. I want my daughters to, to, to celebrate who they are no matter what, no matter what their circumstances are. I want them to see me as someone who is thriving in life, not someone who is a victim. So that really pushed me to get better every single day um, was, you know, my daughters were my main inspiration and in the support of my husband. He's my rock. And so um, I think, like you said, all of us have pain, whether it's physical or emotional. And... Really, by uh, practicing gratitude, having a good mindset. Mindset is crucial. Um, And for me, taking care of myself. Look, thank goodness I was in the fitness industry and I knew what to do because there's a lot of people that get in pain and they don't know what to do. They don't know that, you know, if they worked out whatever they could. I mean, and, and when I was in the hospital, working, I was working out in the hospital bed, and yeah, you know, my doctors thought I was crazy when I asked them to install a pull-up bar in my hospital bed, but I knew if I could keep my upper body strong, it not only would make me feel better physically, but those endorphins that it released by working out would make me feel better mentally, um, you know, so I'm lucky that I had that, but if I could share that with others, you know, the doctors kept wanting me to put me on antidepressants. And I said, if I can just work out, I know I'll feel better when I can work out, I'll feel better. And like yesterday I was in so much pain and I I had finished work and I thought, well, I'm hurting so bad. I don't, you know, I had a conversation with one of my girlfriends. I said, I'm hurting so bad, but if I can just go work out and do what I can in the gym, I know I'll feel better. So sure enough, I went to the gym. I couldn't do a lot on my feet, but I could sit down and do some stuff to make me feel stronger on my upper body. And I felt better. That was the medicine that I needed. That's, that's what works for me. And so, um, you know, it's, it, I wish I could say if you just take this pill or if you just do this one thing, it's going to get better. It's, it's not just that one thing. It is a mind, body, and spirit transformation, and it's something that I have had to work on mentally, spiritually, and physically every single day. It's it's not something that was a one time thing, and now I'm better and cured. It is every single day. You know, it's I, I wake up in the morning, and before my feet hit the floor, I pray. Then I do a. a I do a gratitude list. I write my journal every single day. I reach out to someone every single day. Um, so it's, and I try to work out every single day. And I also changed my food when you, I changed my food and it changed my life. I had to cut out and, you know, I eat an anti-inflammatory diet and I had to cut out all that stuff. I had to cut out wine And that was a big deal. But you know what? It's whatever I had to do to be the best version of myself that I could be.
0: And I know there are people out there listening because you have a lot. I mean, you do have a great support system, and people do need others. We are social, we do need that. But I know there may be people listening that their pain is a fact that maybe they don't have others. Maybe they don't have people that support them, or at least they don't feel like they do. Mm-hmm. So it sounds to me, that you have some advice for people that do feel alone and that's where their pain might come from because your focus on mind body and spirit people can do these things individually and by doing those things, they might actually start to grow their social network by reaching out to others after they start looking into some of these things.
1: Yeah, and, and that's the hardest thing is reaching out. That was the hardest thing. That's the hardest step to do. Once you reach out even to one person. I've had people reach out to me through social media and say, oh, my gosh, you're the you, I finally found someone who's given me some hope about my situation that I'm in. And that's the hardest thing, but it, you, you just taking that first step, um, and kind of admitting that, Oh, I need to reach out. That's the hardest thing. But I think like you just said, that's that, that will help you get go into the right direction and grow and get better physically, mentally, and spiritually.
0: Well, so this is the message I think that is valuable here for everybody out there that's listening everybody that resonates with what you're saying, even those people that feel like they're by themselves, is that you can take individual steps and change your lens from negative to positive and start seeing changes. But we want to get the point out that it's not instantaneous. It does take work, but you don't have to do it alone because there are people out there that will share whatever you're going through with you. So if this message resonates with anybody out there, Amberly, how can they get more information about you and where can they find your book that talks about your story and talks about all these things that we have discussed so far in the, in the episode? How can they reach out to you, find more information? What kind of services do you offer?
1: I would love, I love to connect with people. They get, you can find me at Amberlylogo.com. And if you sign up for my newsletter, uh, you get a free gift, but you also, I write um, an inspirational, you get a dose of inspiration every Monday. And then also I'm on Instagram and I, I post daily inspirational messages at Amberly Logo motivation, Facebook at Amberly Logo speaker. Twitter at Amberly Lago, and then I'm um, also on LinkedIn or just an email away. Um, so I would love if people reached out to me.
0: And again, your the name of your book is True Grit and Grace. So where can people get it? I know people are going to want to read more and get more information about you. Where do you find it?
1: Oh, thank you. Yeah, you can get True Grit and Grace at Amazon, Barnes and Noble, or your local bookstore. Um, And if, uh, yeah, or they can get it on my website as well. But I think, man, Amazon makes it so easy now, especially with Amazon Prime, it's one click away, and it's to your doorstep. So that's probably the easiest way is through um, Amazon
0: Well, thank you so much, Amberly. This has been a great episode. I know it resonates with people. And I will put out a similar offer to everyone. I'm going to have links to Amberly's website on the show notes. But again, I know the value of social networks. I know how people crave social belonging. I know how we need each other. So if you have a chance, you can reach out to me at www.crucialtalks.com connect with me on email linkedin facebook twitter whatever you like if you need anything from me or would like to speak to me more please reach out i'm kind of in the same frame of mind as Amberly here that we're all in it together and where one person may not be able to help you somebody else can but let's build those social networks just because i think it makes us all better So if you could do me a favor, share the podcast, leave a review and rate it. I would greatly appreciate it because this will build this network of people that get to learn from these great interviews like the one we had with Amber. So have a great week. And remember, if we want to understand behavior, we need to understand what drives people.